Coaches, this is Coach Matt Dennis, and I'm truly excited and blessed to join Coach Furtado on the Championship Vision Podcast. If you're a coach looking to get better at your craft, you're really going to love this episode. If you'd like more great coaching content, I encourage you to check out other episodes on the podcast, as well as to head over to CoachMattDennis.com, where you can join my newsletter and sign up for a free trial of the Coaching Lab, where my goal is to help coaches find more success in less time. So I didn't get a chance to meet my team personally until January 2nd. And we started playing games January 8th. So I had to prepare to build this culture through Zoom. So I became a real great proponent of Zoom. I probably need to, they probably should give me some stock. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. But, but basically what we did is we met multiple times a week and we didn't even talk anything basketball. I talked about life. We talked about um, what they wanted, you know, from the program, but we didn't talk any X's and O's. We didn't talk what we were going to run. And each time we added a player, we added them to that Zoom. And we had people come on and speak to them. We were just trying to impart different things into them. And I really think, and I told them this very early, I said, you're going to look back at these Zooms that we talked about nothing X's and O's basketball-wise. And when we win, you're going to realize this was the reason why. Coaches, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Coach Kevin Furtado here again. Uh, we're at episode 289 of the Championship Vision podcast. Uh, I know you all often think I'm a little crazy with so many podcasts, but I enjoy talking to you, the great minds of the game. We got one here today, Coach Cabriel uh, Huff. Uh, long time, long time, very successful high school coach at Holy Innocence and many other schools. Uh, he's now he head men's coach at Perhees College in Tennessee, correct? Correct, coach? Denmark, Denmark, South Carolina. Denmark, South Carolina. I, I, I totally, I, I, I have, I have the wrong, uh, wrong state down. Um, <laughs> but coach, thank you for joining us. I apologize for getting the wrong state down. But, uh, Denmark, South Carolina. Um, but coach, thank you so much for joining us on that. I know you got a lot to offer us and share with the listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, like you said, been a, a Georgia guy through and through, born in, in Atlanta, Georgia, played high school basketball in Atlanta, Georgia, graduated from Morehouse College, got my start at Booker T. Washington High School. And uh, I guess most people kind of know I, I was at St. Francis uh, for many years and was able to win a state championship there, but had some great players, you know. Uh, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, like the X and O's sometimes. So <laughs> had some guys who uh, – you can see on TV a little bit and Malik Beasley and Kobe Simmons and mm -hmm. Kaiser Gates, James Banks, and uh, a couple other ones, uh, Josh Coleman. And, you know, that itch of going to college, you know, was there. So I became a director of basketball operations at Georgia Southern, then became uh, assistant coach at Alcorn State, uh, where I was director of recruiting uh, as well. Um, then I needed to get back home and get back to Georgia and get back to my roots of high school. And I was at Duluth and Duluth High School, where I coached Adam Flagler and others, and then was at Holy Innocence before I was offered this opportunity here in the midst of COVID at Voorhees College. <laughs> yeah, and, and hey, what? Why the transition now, Coach? I mean, you you had so much success at the high school level. Why do you think it was time for you to transition to the college level? Uh, coming back to the college level for me was I, I thought it was a job unfulfilled. 
Uh, I thought last time when I left to come back to, to high school, even though it was, it was God's doing, um, I felt I left without, you know, making a mark, without leaving a legacy. And I'm really big about leaving a legacy, not so much about myself, but about what I, I'm able to impart into others so we can leave a legacy of where we are. And when this opportunity presented itself, uh, I thought it was a great opportunity for me to leave a legacy and to create a culture uh, at, at the college level. And to be honest, you know, Holy Innocence is an Episcopal school and Voorhees College, which most people don't know, is backed by the Episcopal Church. So mm -hmm. it's kind of how everything kind of fell in place. Yeah, and you're, you're kind of, I mean, as far as I know, you're in a rebuilding mode right now, right, Coach? I mean, you're trying to build a program really from the ground up. How are you doing that? Uh, I, I wouldn't say ground up. We were actually blessed to win uh, my first year here, win the conference. Uh, this year, we weren't as successful. Uh, lost 12 games by six points or less, so any coach knows what that means when you're trying to do that. <laughs> right. uh, but when you go from year one to year two and you've got to sign – seven guys to uh, replace guys that left off your roster graduation. Um, it's a challenge. And especially when, you know, most of those guys are freshmen. Uh, it, it's a challenge. So you've got to make sure that you're instilling culture. You've got to make sure they understand that everything matters, whether it's the time they get to class, the time they get to weights, how hard they go, how focused they are. All those things matter about how, about when you're trying to instill this culture in your program. Um, because that was the thing that, we were kind of we were kind to 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 change here at Voorhees. Like we had we had won before. This program had won before, but they wanted to change the culture all around of wow. how we win. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and what were some of the changes? I mean, I I guess what you're saying is there's a lot of teams that win, mm -hmm. but they don't do it the right way. I mean, so what 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 did you try to change? Give us some examples of what you tried to change within the well one of the first things is we wanted to challenge them mentally uh and we were in the midst of COVID when i got this job and so we practice every day at six o'clock in the morning and one of the big things about that was that you don't walk into the gym at 5 59 like we were stretching at 5 45 so that means they had to be there on time and we wanted to just mentally prepare them that you're going to go through adversity this isn't easy to be up and be in the gym at 5 45 but life isn't going to be easy. And we're trying to really teach young men what it's like to become men because in four years, they're going off into the world. Everybody's not going to be able to pick up a basketball and go play pro. So how are we preparing them for what life is going to be like? You know, bam, here it is, time management. Yes, college just going to class teaches you time management, but the way we wanted to do things, we really wanted to teach them what it's like in life using this game of basketball to teach time management. We're practicing at 6 o'clock. Here you are at 545. We're on the court getting stretched. All right, now you got to go to breakfast. We wanted everybody to have breakfast by 8. Boom, now you're into your classes. Boom, well, what time is your study hall? You got to make sure you're at study hall. We had weights a lot of times at 7 p.m. at night. What are we doing? You know, how's your, how are you managing your time effectively? Uh, and that was one of the first things that, that, that we did as far as a team. Um, if I go back, I got the job November 1st. And if you remember anything about November 1st, 2020, COVID was running rampant. And fortunately, we did. We were able to win a conference championship in the midst of all what went on in COVID year. Yeah, did, did COVID and Zoom force us to, like, really connect with each I, other? I, think it, I mean, I, I, think, I think it did. I think it really – it made us as coaches really understand, number one, 
you don't have to be in the office to get things done, especially at the college level. A lot of times at the college level, it was like, you got to be in the office or you're not working. Well, that's not true. Um, it, it, it made us really connect with people around us, our families, our teams, other coaches. I think we got better as coaches by connecting with others, whether it was getting on Zooms and talking X and O's and just talking about what do you do in your program? Like, if it wasn't for COVID, are we having this right now, Kevin? Let's be honest. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Zoom. I, I mean, we should have invested in the Zoom, man, Gabriel, a long, long time ago, man. No, no. <laughs> We'd be out of coaching. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with coaches. I think, man, I mean, how much did we learn? Like I was, I was at a school and um, I mean, we, there were so many coaching clinics going on, mm -hmm. you know, virtual, I mean, some great clinics that we learned so much. Uh, hey, what did you learn just really quick? What did you learn virtually during that time that you carried over to your team? Man, I, I'll tell you one of the biggest nuggets, and this, this is a nugget that I carried with me. It was actually, I learned it, Lloyd Pierce was still the Hawks coach. And I don't know yeah. if you remember during that time, the Hawks were doing, like, they were inviting high school coaches every week to these Zooms. I forgot what they called them, but they were inviting them to these, these Zooms. And sometimes they would have players on there. Sometimes it was just their coaches. Sometimes they would invite other people. And I remember Lloyd Pierce said, if you want to learn about sideline out of bounds, watch the NBA. But if you want to know about baseline out of bounds, watch college. Hmm. And I had never thought of it that way until he said that. And if you really think about it, you get more sideline out of bounds actions in the NBA. They are very rare that you get baseline out of bounds actions in the NBA, but you get a ton of them in college basketball. Um, so that was, one of the big, that was one of the biggest nuggets that I learned during that time. And uh, also picked up, you know, you know, you picked up some offensive and defensive stuff. But I, I really picked up how people interact. Like, what are they doing in their programs that make them some successful? And I think there are different ways to go about it. And I learned that it doesn't mean your way is wrong or right if somebody does it or doesn't do it. I think that's what I really – the other thing I really learned during that time. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's almost like a refresh for all of us. You know what I'm saying? Where we can just kind of – we're not focusing on winning. We're just focusing on just growing. Yep. As coaches, and I don't know, so many coaches on the podcast love, love that time. Um, but you did mention a good point about connecting with your team. Did you have them on specific workouts? What did you do during that time to get them ready to play? So it's funny. I, I had to add players to my team, basically recruit guys. <laughs> then I had guys that were there. So because we hadn't been together, there was no specific workout because – they didn't know what I was going to run. Right. So I couldn't. It was just, I need you to come back in shape. That was the only thing I could tell them. Come right. back in shape. Make sure when you come here, January 2nd is not the first time you picked up a basketball. Right. That was a basic thing I had to do. And, you know, those first few days of practice, and we went two a days uh, because they got back on campus January 2nd. School didn't start till like a week later. So we were able to do some two a days. And it was tough because you had to realize you had some kids who, their season may have ended because of COVID in March. You had other ones who may have ended a little bit before then in February. So it was almost nine months before they had really played basketball. Like they could have worked out, but how many guys had played basketball? Um, and then they had to get like, we were on Zoom, but now you send that, that that guy in person. And I've got to learn how he plays on the court exactly. in, a, in a, a sped up time. 
Um, and it was it was an experience like no other, Kevin. I can tell you that. I I, I loved it and I hated it to be honest, because there's nothing like it. Like I don't think anybody can imagine having to go through that. Right, right. And, and the advantage was, I guess, not no advantage, but we all went through it, right? So everybody was going through the same stuff. Now, um, now, the only thing that was a little different was we were having to play teams that actually started in November. Right. It was it was just our college decided, hey, we're going to do a, a condense our season from January to, to gotcha. late February, yeah. um, which also played impact in scheduling, like having to play back-to-back more than you wanted to, uh, playing more games in a week than you really wanted to, having to deal with the cancellations, which everybody did. Um, so it was – that year was different <laughs> for everybody. For sure. Hey, talk about the level of your program. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what division is it? Uh, who do you face? Some of your top teams. Kind of tell the listeners who – probably my listeners are high school coaches, Gabriel, so that they'll be interested in contacting you and with their players. So tell us about your – your school? Voorhees is an NAI program. Um, I hate trying to compare it because I know everybody knows Division One. Most people kind of know Division Two, um, but we're, we're we're right there with Division Two. Uh, really, the basic thing may be how many scholarships we may have, uh, different than some Division Two programs. Um, we play some of the top competition across you know America. That's that's NAI. College of the Ozarks, if anybody's heard of them, they're like a – I call them a blue blood NAIA program. We beat them for the conference championship last year, uh, right down the street, our rival – or not down the street, but in Sumner, South Carolina, our rival is Morris College. Um, before Allen moved to Division II in uh, Columbia, they were also uh, in NAI. Uh, this, like this upcoming year, we're going to play Life, Uni- uh, Life University, which is in Marietta, Georgia. They're NAI. We played Dalton State um, my first year, the NAI. So we play teams like that, but we also play Division II teams. Uh, we play Claflin, who's in the CIAA, who's 30 minutes away from us. Uh, we play Emory and Henry. They came down to play us, who's, who's out of the Virginia area. Um, and obviously we play Allen every year because, again, they're still a rival. But we also get the opportunity to, to, to play some guarantee games, and we were able to play three Division I games this year, uh, Kennesaw State, Georgia State, and South Florida. Uh, so you get a gamut of, of, of teams that you can play, but our conference is, is very tough. It's spread out. We're in the Continental uh, Athletic Association. Uh, so we have your Morrises in our, our conference, Washington and Venice, which is in the D.C. area, uh, Florida College, which is in the Tampa area. They actually went 31-4 and four this year, hmm. uh, went to the Sweet 16. Um, so they were very good this year. Uh, well, we have Fisher which is all the way in, in Boston. Um, wow. We have Northern New Mexico. Uh, we have um, Wilberforce, which is in Ohio. Uh, so we're, we're really spread out in how we try to make our conference work. Uh, and really it's a, a model. We didn't do, they didn't do this before COVID, but now COVID taught us this may be better than just trying to spend your budget to fly out to Boston to fly here. So we do pods. Like we find Say Florida College one weekend has a pod of four to six teams and you get to play two games, you know. So it it helps instead of having to go one place and play games. And, you know, like for us, if anybody decides they want to come and play at Voorhees, then we team them up with Morris and say, hey, you're going to get two games when you come down here. So we try to do pods when we play and that helps our conference. But 
NAI is great. I don't know if any of our listeners saw the NAI championship this year, uh, Loyola uh, versus Talladega. And you, you had two great programs, Talladega, HBCU, like ourselves at Voorhees mm-hmm. and Loyola, and two programs who did it two different ways. You know, Coach Wright at Talladega, who's a great guy, great coach, they did it with a lot of transfers, you know, a lot of JUCOs and transfers where you got Loyola who did it with a lot of high school guys that they brought in when they were freshmen and developed them and kind of just piecemealed the rest of the team with some transfers. Um, but it lets you know at this level, just like at the, the Division One level, the Division Two level, yes, they're going to be transfers. Yes, they're going to be JUCO guys. Yes, they're going to be high school players who are going to make up your team. Uh, it just depends on which NAIA program you go to of how that team is made up. That's really cool. I love the idea of the pods, Coach. I was just, I was going to ask you, like, how do you guys travel <laughs> all over the place, man? It's like your expenses must be wild. I mean, um, that, it, it helps with expenses tremendously. <laughs> I'm sure. That's really cool. Um, hey, talk about NAIA because I don't think – like my my kids that I coach here at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, I'm sure you're familiar with Loganville and mm-hmm. that area out here in Georgia. Um, they're not familiar with NEI. I'm trying to get them more experienced on, you know, uh, the different levels they can play at. Because a lot of a lot of kids have no clue that there's opportunities everywhere. Correct. Correct. Um, I think a lot of times people thought NAI was the 13th year of of, of high school. When in reality, it's not. I mean, you've got Division One transfers who are playing here. You've got guys who may have played in a high school program, and no one just saw them, and, and they're here. So you can have a guy that's 18, but you can also have a guy that may have be 26. Like, those are the people that can step on the court on any given night, and they're extremely good. Like, they are – I mean, I saw some guys, you know – once I was, I knew I was, you know, it, when they reached out to me about the job, I start, pay, you know, doing some more research, even though I knew the level already, but you start doing your research and you're looking at these programs, some of these great programs, and you're looking at some of the players and you're like, you just, a lot of people just don't know about them. And so what I would tell any parent or any high school coach or any player, look in your area and take off the division one schools and go find a way to go watch a game Maybe a practice if they'll let you. I know it up for us, we allow kids to come to our practice. But go watch an NAI, a JUCO, or a Division II practice, and you'll understand that these, these other levels are really good, and it's really good basketball. And if you're getting a, a scholarship offer from one of these places, like, you, you still have a blessing on your hand. Yeah, I mean, there's um, – and I, I think it's, it's – right, Coach, I mean, I think a lot of people are telling them, are giving mixed messages, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, maybe their travel program, things like that. You got to play D1. Man, there's so many opportunities. What advice can you give uh, these coaches to kind of help them seek out a Paris college, seek out what's the best way, what's the best, get some good advice for them? The first, just like I said, number one, get to go out and watch these, these other colleges that are not D1. Um, and then – the other thing is I would say seek out the coaches at these places. Just reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Most of us are pretty accessible um, about just understanding what, what our school, what our level is about, uh, how we make things happen. Uh, just to become more informed about what basketball and playing basketball at the next level outside of Division One is. I tell everybody that 
once you get out the Division One range, every other place, because Division Three doesn't give out scholarships, but everyone else is trying to put a package together for you, more than likely, which means there's going to be athletic money, there's going to be academic money some places, and there's going to be financial aid. They're trying to put that package together for you so you can play at their institution. And if you understand that, then you understand the importance of academics, which we say all the time, but when it comes to every level under Division One, sometimes it's that much more important because the more academic money you can get, it lessens the pot or the money we have to spend out the athletic pot for us. Sure. Um, the other thing is that I would tell high schools when it comes to us is that guys at our level, NAIA, whether it's Division Two, even junior college, even Division Three, we don't want your fifth or sixth best player. And I'm, I'm saying that with all due respect. Like, we still want your first or second best player, possibly your third. Like, because those are the guys that are going to help us win. Um, like, every high school guy on my team was their first or second best player and probably made all region or whatever they call it in their state. And so when you understand that, do you understand if you're saying, well, this, this guy or girl is my sixth best player, he or she averaged four points a game, that's really not going to help us at, at our mm -hmm. level. Um, and I think once they come see a practice, once they see us play and watch a game, then they can now understand why they can't send us that kind of player. Yeah, there's great basketball everywhere, Coach. I mean, yes. Division three, uh, some of the best basketball around. And, uh, yeah, at least at, the, at, at your level – kids are usually staying around unless they transfer. But, hey, talk about the transfer portal really quick is, to me, that's a major problem, but it also is good for kids, too, if they're in a bad situation. Talk about that as a college coach. I, I think many times we, we look at it as the kid wants to get out. There are many times, you know, they're pushed out. So we got to look at it both ways of right. whether they're fit. And I think – Part of our transfer portal problem right now is we go back to whoever is advising these young men, these young ladies. Sometimes we're trying to advise them to go too high. Um, go to the highest level you can. Well, how about going to the, the best fit? They have your major. It's the city you want to live in. It's the coach you really want to play for. You love the other people in the program. Like those, I think once we get back to that, then we'll see a lot less of this transfer portal action. Um, I also think when we talk about the transfer portal, we, we have to understand that many college coaches want to get old and stay old. I think Josh Pastor had that quote and said it a lot at Georgia Tech. And, and what that means is, is that many college coaches are going to look at that guy who's older before they look at that high school player. And it's hurting our high school guys, to be honest with you. So that trickle-down effect is it is helping us in a way at the NAIA level. Um, but, we, I mean, depending on what that coach's philosophy is, they may be looking in the portal as well. Um, that portal right now is here to stay. So instead of us complaining about it, I think as parents and high school coaches and even us as college coaches, we got to say, okay, how do we adapt? What is our, How do we adapt to it? So – for me, is that, and I'm not afraid to say this even on this podcast, I've told our high school kids, and we're recruiting them, if you come in and, and be the player that I think you can be and some bigger school at a higher level wants you, I'm not going to hold you back. Sure. Um, 
And I have to understand that. And I think it's creating for us as college coaches at any level, we have to be more like junior college coaches because a junior college coach only has their, their players for one or two years. So for instance, I've done a lot of, had a lot of conversations with, with junior college coaches. How do you continue to build culture when you only have them for one year, two years? You know, that's a, that's a big thing right now. Like, how do you do that? Um, and it takes more conversations. It takes more relationship building, uh, which again, going back to that Zoom that we had but when I first got the job, that was it. You know, even this year, like we brought all our, we would have lunch. Before we started, I said we would have lunch with each one of our groups, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, and just bring them in. Hey, here's what we expect. Let's talk. You know, this is what I kind of, and, and talking to the group, like if there are five juniors in there, and if I'm telling Kevin, Kevin, like this year, you, you're going to be our shooter. You got to shoot when you're open, but I don't need you to dribble the basketball. I'm not just saying it to you in an individual closed door. I'm saying it to that junior group. And so now we're holding each other accountable. And I think part of the transfer portal is that we're afraid to hold kids accountable now. And it goes back to what we said pre-podcast, like there's a blame on, on either side of why somebody didn't get the job done and produce instead of just going to get better. Um, and I think until we can understand that we just got to go get better and sometimes changing our surroundings doesn't change if, how much we're going to get better. I think that if we can just get better, it'll change everything. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like to me, Coach, you have – instead of fighting the system, you have adapted, like you says, mm -hmm. to the kid. And you just have to, it forces you to really communicate and connect with these kids even more than in the past. Times are changing, right? Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even, I think, you know, obviously the cell phones are totally different now. Like, yeah. think about scouting reports. Like, when I first got into college basketball, that was this thick scouting report that you gave every player. Right. And it was printed out and that was it. Well, now we can send it through the phone because that's what they're looking at. Right. They're looking at that phone more than they're going to read that paper. And that, not saying we won't give them a paper one, but we're trying to make sure we hit every avenue that we can to make sure they get the information needed. Like, I'm pretty sure every high school, college coaches has some form of communication they use for their team. That's not just a text message, it's probably group me or, or something. I remember when that kind of started. That was when I was at Georgia Southern. And I remember going to my head coach and saying, hey, they, they started this like app thing that we could talk to the whole team with. You, yeah. you think that's something he was looking at me like, what is that? But we did it and it was great. Like you can now have this message like, hey, we had to change practice time today for some strange reason. Make sure everybody got it. You got to like the message or whatever. So times are changing. We've just got to adapt. And I think too many times as coaches, especially, we keep saying, well, the kids have changed. Well, things are supposed to change because we, we keep evolving. So how do we just got to adapt with this time period and adapt with the change that the kids are changing. So we've got to do things a little bit differently. Yeah, I love that, Coach. Um, yeah, technology, man. If you're not, you got to get in that technology. You got to get in, right? I mean, hey, you got to know the kids' language. Yes. Uh, I know my kids, man, that, that I mean, they're, they're right in front of their screen all the time. And they... Instead of fighting that, you gotta, you gotta, hey, you gotta send.
At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021. All your messages, all your videos, everything to huddle, whatever, right? So when we talk about this culture thing, right? And so for us, for me, and my staff will tell you, my players will tell you, they get something from me every morning. Yeah. Like, it could be basketball-related. It may not be basketball-related. But they're going to get something from me every morning that makes them think, right? And it just starts their day, right? Um, and I think that's important. We're talking about building that relationship. We're talking about creating culture. To me, that's part of how we create culture here at Voorhees. I totally agree. Coach, let's talk about your uh, – first talk about your culture of defense mm-hmm. and kind of sell your program on what you really believe in. I know by watching the teams now, I was – I was really impressed with St. Peter's mm. that small school on there, how they uh, now they didn't play very good yesterday, but North Carolina is probably the best eight seed I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, now they're more like a one seed talent wise, but I love how they pressure the ball. They're constantly changing defenses because they have to, they don't have great players. Talk about the culture of your defense. Now I wouldn't say they don't have great players. I just think they don't have players people know about. That's right. That's right. I got to be ranked. You know, we rank these players all the time, but it doesn't mean these guys who aren't ranked aren't good. So sure. for us, you know, it, it, it goes down to our heart, right? So in the Bible, it says you got to guard your heart. Well, the heart for us at Voorhees is the paint. So we got to guard the paint. And we don't want any paint touches at any, any fashion. So we don't want people to get to the paint because if you get to the paint, that compromises our whole defense. They're making layups at the rim. They're kicking out for threes. They're in position to get a rebound. They're in position to get fouled. And so we go back to what our philosophy is on defense. Again, remembering that the heart for us is the paint, is that we want to make sure we want to make sure they have a highly contested shot, which means we want to contest every shot, highly contested shot, where we can get the off, we'll get the rebound, not foul, and get in transition. Right? So how do we do that? Constant ball pressure. And I think sometimes people think constant ball pressure means you got to press all the time. No, what it means is you're dictating. That's one of our great terms in our program. We want to dictate. We want teams to play the way we want them to play. So we want to dictate how they're going to play. That means 
Again, we won't want no paint. So we're going to ice ball screens, right? And anybody that plays us know we're going to do it. So it's not like I'm giving them some kind of great, like we're going to ice ball screens, right? We're going to ice ball screens. <clears throat> we're going to push people to the baseline. Um, the, the, the other big thing that we want to do is we want to swarm to the basketball, right? We want to contest every shot, like I said before, and we want no catch and shoot threes, right? No catch and shoot threes. And I think that's big, like, especially at our level at college, people can say what they want and say, well, it's NAI. Okay, let that guy have a catch and shoot three and see what happens. Right. You're going you're gonna to get beat that night. And I think that part we did a great job with in, in both years. Like this past year, our three-point field goal percentage given up, defense was only 30.5%. You know, our goal is to have it 33% and under. So we did a great job with that. Um, we did a great job of making sure we didn't foul a guy because you can play great defense, but if you foul him and send him to the free throw line, it, it, it alleviates everything. So we 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 shot more free throws than other team. We shot a better percentage than other team. The thing that we that we struggled with this year in finishing what our defensive philosophy is or what our goal was, was the rebound. Um, we were playing some young bigs, uh, some freshmen, um, and especially early in the season, you know, it's a learning curve with strength and understanding and maybe getting pushed up under the glass. Uh, sometimes they got a rebound and somebody would take it from. Uh, so we lost the rebound in war this year. And that caused us, though, going back to when I told you early on, 12 games by six points or less. To me, when I, my staff and I looked at it, that was the reason why we lost those close games. Um, because if you look at the numbers-wise, field goal percentage defense, Three-point percentage defense, what we did, you know, getting more free throws than other team, uh, turning the, making teams turn the ball over. We were winning in those categories, but if you lose the rebounding battle by five or more on any given night, you're giving them second-chance opportunities. But that that's the our defensive philosophy right there. So, Coach, you are more of a half-court. Are you picking up? Uh, we, we, we switch it. We switch it. Like, we, there, okay. there are times you, you'll see us and um, – we're pressing you. Like, for instance, we'll go back to what you said at the beginning. If you watch St. Peter's, uh, who did they play the game before North Carolina? Uh, uh, Purdue. Oh, was it Purdue? No. It might have been Purdue. They were they were pressing a little bit more than they did. Like, And it wasn't because they were down. It was just like, so you, you switch it up. And going back to what I said, constant defensive pressure can be from pressing sometimes. It can be from your half-court defense. Just because you go zone doesn't mean you're not putting constant pressure on. Them. Yeah. Like so, for us, one of our switch ups was a three-two matchup zone, mm -hmm. and so that was still putting constant pressure because you're matched up versus them. Yeah, and Purdue, I remember the last. I think the coach made a great chat. I think it's the last three or four minutes of the game. You know, he went to his two-three zone and so forth, and it really caught Purdue off balance. They started shooting a lot of outside shots and so forth. And they had a huge team. Um, and uh, I noticed that change made a, made a big difference. Now, North Carolina was a little bit more prepared for that. And they have a lot of bigs, but I, I tell North you what, they, North Carolina did a great job on penetrating and then finding the bigs yes. rather than just posting them up. How do you stop that? So for us, you know, we, we try the three-quarter stuff. You know, um, and we think because we're supposed to have help side defense, that's how you stop it. Now, you're going to get some instances. Like, we got killed one time this year versus Florida College. I mean, the guy was just good. And then sometimes you got to say, okay, this guy's so good, 
but can he beat us by himself? <laughs> so, all right, if he can't beat us by himself, then let's stop everybody else. But if we get into a case where we think that big can, then then we'll 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 double that post immediately, right? And then rotate behind it. So you you those are strategy things that you have to do. Like you talked about what St. Peter's did versus Purdue, they did it versus Kentucky. You remember right. um, Wheeler was getting to the paint really well, but late in that the second half, probably under five, they went to that matchup zone again, and he wasn't getting where he was trying to go. And remember, that's what got him in overtime. That's what won him that game. Yeah. And I- <laughs> Yeah, I think they're rethinking that Calipari lifetime contract, I think. So uh, I'll leave that one alone. But, uh, you don't lose in the first round at Kentucky, right? I mean, we all know that. Um, I think with any offseason, with any coach, if, you, if you're if you losing somewhere down the road, you're trying to fix it. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, now, how does that how, – how does your defense uh, transition into your offense? Are you guys a running team? You're more of a patient team? Uh, how do you guys play? So we want to we, – we love pace, right? We, we want to play fast. So that goes back to dictating, right? So our defense has to translate to our offense, right, because we want more possessions than the other team. So if we go back to what I told you, if we can't rebound the basketball, we can't get those possessions that we want. <clears throat> we looked at our season this year. We struggled early on when I told you about those young bigs and we weren't rebounding well. And so we want to average – 75 plus points or more. First half of the year, we went to 60s, but it's because we weren't getting the rebounds. The second half of the year, I think we only had one game where we were under 70. And that just told the difference in how we were getting more possessions. We were getting stops, which translated to, to more possessions on the offensive end, playing fast. Uh, if you want to talk about when we do have to run our, our, our actions, um, we run sets to get our guys in the best uh, possible positions. Um, so our guys have to understand what it means to run a set um, when we're in half court. Um, and we run multiple kind of actions. You know, we'll run some horns action. We run some Iverson cut action stuff. Obviously, you know, we run some some pick and roll stuff, uh, either from the from the top, you know, a, a flat ball screen, we'll run that. We'll run a side ball screen, you know, ball screen continuity stuff. Um, we run some 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 goal screen action stuff. Like we run a lot of different stuff, and and it's my job to try to pick out what's going to be effective versus the teams that we're playing. Um, and and I think we, we try we do a pretty good job of putting our guys in the right position. And if I can, you know, shout out a guy who when I first got here, I'll just use him as an example of how we put our guys in the right position and how we develop our guys here. Taiwan Bowie, who's a graduating senior. The year before I got here, he averaged 5.4 points a game. COVID year, the first year I got here, in a condensed season, he goes to 10.4 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, right? Even in a condensed year, because of his growth, he makes all conference. This year, he goes from 10.4 to 18.3. Hmm. 3.4 rebounds to 5.9 rebounds. He's a six-foot guard, by the way. Wow. <laughs> right? Um, scored 43 in a game versus Emory and Henry. So those kind of things translate of, of, of how we want to play offensively. And we teach our guys, we want to we want them to be a star. And we may come back to that term right there, being a star later. But what we mean by star is spacing, because offense is all about spacing. 
And so if we can space the floor correctly, we can get kind of anything that we want offensively, we feel. The second one, all right, is timing. You got to have the right timing. Like everybody wants to run pick and roll, but if the timing isn't right on the pick and roll or you don't know how the guys are defending you timing-wise, then it makes no sense. You just kind of picking and for no reason. Um, the second one is angles. Like what kind of angle are we taking coming off the ball screen? Or what kind of angle are we taking when we basket cut? Like so spacing, timing, angles, and the last is rhythm because we talked about the pace that we want to play at. So, again, our offensive you know, philosophy is about being a star with those four things. I love that, Coach. I'm going to steal that one from yeah. you, all right? No so, problem. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, and that's a great way to teach is those, those acronyms like that. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of that myself. I love that. Kids can understand that better. Um, what's the hardest thing at your – at your level to teach? Is it three-point shooting? Is it uh, reading the defense, decision-making? What is it? Probably decision-making. Because I think something that we've kind of gotten away from, and this is – basketball players are better than we were. And I'm I'm, I'm, as much as that pains me to say that, they're better than, than we were because they put so much more time in it with trainers and you got guys who can handle the ball way better than we could. You got guys who can shoot it better than than we could. Was it because they watched stuff the whole time or not? It's just, it's just facts. But what we struggle with is we played more games. Like, and I don't mean like AAU games, like we just went to the park. We just played with a lot of older guys a lot of times. So that created us to have better decision-making because we weren't going against a cone. If that makes sense. It wasn't just us in a gym with a trainer and a pad. And so now the, what we've got to do at our level is now we've got to make sure how do we teach that decision-making aspect of it. So part of that is we're hoping when we recruit a guy, he has a high basketball IQ anyway. That's what we look for. That's one of our, our things we look for when we recruit somebody. So now it's not as hard to teach that decision-making because – you know, I remember Rick Ray one time. He was a former head coach at uh, Mississippi State in SEMO. And he said, Coach, I got to find guys who can shoot the basketball because I can teach them how to play defense. I can teach them how to do, you know, everything else. But if we kick the ball, if we get to the paint and we kick and he's wide open and he can't make a shot, then what am I going to do, right? So even somebody will say, well, that means you got to teach shooting. Well, I mean – they can get in the gym and, and we can do that with, with skill development. That's that's an easy fix, but you're not going to take a 20% shooter to become a 35% shooter. I don't think that's that's going to happen. But you can teach a guy how to make better decisions, reading ball screens, all right? Who's going to be open when you read them, when you drive and somebody lifts and you get some lift action, all right? How to make the hammer pass when you're driving baseline. Those are decision-making skills, you know? Or you don't have to push the ball up the floor with the dribble. Kick it up with the pass. That's decision-making, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's things as us coaches, right? So really quick before you go, Coach, how do you incorporate decision-making in your practices and your player development? Uh, Everything we do, we compete, right? So there's a winner and a loser. In in every drill we do in practice, every drill we do in in skill development, Um, and so what that means, we may do a drill that's, that's we call Texas 
uh, one, two, one, mm -hmm. right? So that means you're going now one verse two, and then two are coming back on verse one person. But it's teaching you decision-making in that. How, how do I attack, you know, a lot of these guys behind me? There's a trailer behind me trying to come steal the basketball. How am I attacking this guy? What should I do? All right. Um, we, we do a lot of full court transition stuff to help them do that. We do a lot of three, three on three small sided games on one side of the court. Right. Um, you know, one of the, a great drill and it's hard when you're on a podcast, you're trying to tell somebody a drill, but we put a guy at half court, you know, on the, on the baseline. Right. And the guy guarding him. And then we've got a guy in the opposite corner, not on ball side, but the opposite corner and a guy in help. So now you got to have decision-making. If I beat this guy off the dribble automatically, what am I doing? If that guy doesn't help, then I can get all the way to the rim. If that guy helps, I got a kick. But we're also teaching decision-making and our rotations on defense that if he beats that guy to the middle, we're Xing that thing out to understand how we're going to play defense on that. Those are decision-making things just in a two-on-two -two setting. Yeah, I mean, I think, don't you think, like, Coaches nowadays, they want to have, you know, their, their drills are just more, you know, they're, they're not, they have no defense um, and they're not really giving their kids the freedom to make decisions, right? And their coach is telling them, hey, hey, you got to read this. How is it, how do you, how do you do that? Because I know with girls, I allow my players to make mistakes. And I know mm -hmm. that sounds crazy, but they have to learn the, uh, you know, how to make good decisions on the court. So one of the things, we'll do a five on oh. Like say we're, we're putting in our offense. So we'll do five on oh. So we'll do that one for like three minutes. So we've run through our maybe two sets, five on oh, back and forth. But now when we do it again, it's five on oh down. But when they come back, the defense is there. So now, yeah, you know what the play is supposed to be. But now you got to decide how that action is going. Like, what is the defense doing to you? And I'm fine with that. You know, I'm, I'm maybe different than some people. You know, I really rely on my point guard. And there have been times I've called something, and my point guard, you know, if it's not too loud of a gym, say, Coach, let's, no, let's run this. And I, he's on the floor. He may see something I don't see. And I'm fine with that. And I think the more we get with, with getting those guys to make proper decisions, I think the better our teams will be. Yeah, and coaches, um, I mean, that, that's great advice right there, coach. And you can see how important guards are. Now, look at even St. Peter's. There's no way they make it even close without the guards that they have. And look at North Carolina's guards, man. I mean, you cannot survive, right, coach, without good guards at the college level. I, I say any level. I tell anybody. I say um, bids can get you there, but guards are going to win you the ship. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, especially in today's game. But yeah. uh, you still got to have good bigs, though. You, you got to have yes. a little bit of size. Yes, you do. <laughs> got, okay. you, those guys got to be tough and they got to rebound. I can tell you that. No doubt about that, yes. Hey, Coach, um, hey, tell us how uh, the coaches – first of all, tell us what kind of players that you uh, want to get at your school and how can coaches reach out to you because you're going to have a lot of coaches contacting you. Well, we, this is our saying. We want guys who want to become us. But what does it mean to want to become us? That means you got to have work ethic, you got to have high character, you got to have academics, and you got to be tough. And so if you take that to the next step of what we're looking for, we're looking for a translatable skill set. We're looking for high basketball IQ. 
athleticism. I love shooting, especially one through four. Like if you can shoot the basketball and handle it, that, that really helps. Uh, and we just want tough, mentally tough guys. Like I, I'm not going to lie to anybody. We're not in a big city. Uh, it's not Atlanta. Uh, it's not even where Walnut Grove is, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> we don't have fancy facilities. Like this isn't the Buford Arena when you walk into it to see Woo! it. Even at college, you know. But we, we've got to have we got to have tough guys who want to be here. They want to be us. They want to get better every day. Um, we call it being one percent better and stacking small wins. Uh, that's what we're looking for. Um, you know, I think two of the hardest positions to come in as freshmen are point guard and center, mm -hmm. or if you want to say a big, um, because the speed of the game for that point guard, and then the physicality of the game for both the point guard and the center. Not saying we don't, because we've taken freshmen at both of those positions. Uh, they just have to take – takes a little bit longer to develop, and we understand that. Um, but those are the things that we're really looking for. Uh, if you want to contact me, um, my, my my email address is chuff at Voorhees, V-O-O-R-H-E-E-S dot E-D-U. chuff at Voorhees dot E-D-U. Um, we've had workouts. We've had elite camps this past year. We have a, uh, we call it the Denmark summer explosion. We did it last year, actually Walnut Grove men's program, Coach Spoon. They oh, came. Yeah, yeah. Coach Spoon, for sure. Yep. Yeah, they yeah. came. Up. We're doing it again. Basically what we do, it's a one day. We do it one day, uh, a Wednesday of back-to-back -back weeks. You get three guaranteed shot clock games. Um, uh, it's a little bit different than how, camps used to be where you want to spend the night we just want to get you in play you against good competition in front of college coaches we have a junior college that's literally almost right next door to us so we play games at both of them you get seen by college coaches last year we had media even come up and, and watch uh two state champions played here cross creek and grovetown uh from augusta yeah uh, and we had two other teams that went to the final four woodville Tompkins out of savannah and wade hampton here out of South Carolina. So we offer you any time to come up. Um, if you want to see us play and we get our schedule out, all you got to do is contact me. Um, I know we had a lot of people come see us play. We played probably five games in Georgia this past year. Uh, Truett McConnell, um, Tacoa Falls, mm -hmm. obviously Georgia State and Kennesaw State and Middle Georgia. So we played five games last year in Georgia. So I know a lot of Georgia people want to, don't want to watch us. And the last thing I'll say is that, you know, that culture that we want to have is built off our four pillars and our four pillars of our culture, our family, uh, forget about me. I love you. But also because we're HBCU, we believe in HBCUs being family, not just about the four years you're playing for us, but the 40 years after, uh, mm -hmm. the next one is love. Like we're going to love you hard. We're going to love you tough. Uh, but because we're trying to make you grow. So that means, you know, going back to acronyms, Kevin, I was an English major, so that's why I love acronyms. That's right. <laughs> uh, you're going to learn while you're here, right? You're going to overcome adversity because I think anytime you're playing a sport, there's going to come some adversity. So how are you going to overcome it? You got to visualize who you want to be, what you want to be, how you want to be it, and then you're going to expect nothing and give everything. That's what we mean by love. Then the last one is that great. I mean, the next one is grace. Like, I'm not going to call a perfect game. You're not going to play a perfect game. No matter if we win, lose, whatever. So you gotta, we got to show grace to one another. And we do that by being grateful and giving, being respectful, 
being accountable, being committed, and being enthusiastic. So we've got family, we've got love, we've got grace. And remember I said we won't get back to it, being a star. We yeah. want you to be a star. Well, that means being a star in the classroom, being a star in your role on the court. We just want you to be a star. And those are our four pillars of our program. Yeah, we should have started out with that, Coach, and finished strong. But, <laughs> hey, you finished strong, my man. Um, hey, now, Coach Spoon, man, I know he had some great seniors this year. Yeah, he had he did. the, um, you know, we, our both programs did well this year. But, man, he had a great year. Uh, he's got two young guards. You probably already know who they are. Yeah. Two young guards <laughs> coming up. They're going to be studs, man, I'm telling you. Uh, so I keep an eye on the growth. I actually came up and watched them uh, work out. Uh, who was one? I can't remember exactly when. But next time I come up, I'll come see you, Kevin. <laughs> hey, hey, we'd love to have you, Coach. Hey, Coach, thank you so much for joining us, man, sharing the uh, the knowledge. I know you're going to build a great program there for he. So thank you so uh, much for sharing. I appreciate you, man. You're doing a great job with this. I've listened to so many and, and picked up <laughs> nuggets. And continue doing what you do, man. It's a blessing. And, and hopefully all of us as coaches and and parents and, and and players can continue to grow this great game of basketball and use it for whatever you're trying to use it for, so whether it's helping you go to college, whether it's helping you play overseas, or if it's just helping you grow to understand. I know plenty of people in the workforce love hiring athletes. So um, let's just continue to grow the game. Yeah, there's so many great values you can learn from playing the game, right? So Exactly. So true. Coach, thank you so much, man. I appreciate all you're doing. Coaches Game Day, built by coaches for coaches. I am personally inviting you to review a fantastic membership-based website for coaches, athletic directors, sports organizations, and athletic departments. Coaches Game Day assists coaches, ADs, teams, schools, and athletic organizations in the areas of budgeting, scheduling, automatic game communications, fundraising, and key form access. This website offers patented programming not currently available and other programming that is readily used in the athletic environment, all within simple computer or phone access. The website is revolutionizing the industry and will afford coaches, schools, and teams a better way of supporting and organizing their programs. Coaches Game Day is changing the playing field for all coaches of all sports across the country. Coaches Game Day supports over 1,800 competition levels of 33 interscholastic club and recreational sports using unique patented technology to assist in the process of managing an efficient and effective athletic department program and includes a passive sponsor fundraiser function that will positively help your team or department increase revenues for your athletic programs. The Game Blast communication program will increase your department revenues by $150 to $1,000 per team per season. Do the math. You cannot afford not to include coaches game day in your athletic program. When you are ready to purchase, my personal referral will save you money. At checkout, enter coupon code CGD25. That's CGD25. And you will receive a $25 off your annual membership.
Coaches, game day, the finest and most unique athletic management app available. If you have any questions, contact me at furtadok57 at gmail.com and I will give you a further information and also I will give you a special discount. Contact me soon. Thank you.